0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Thanks for tuning in for this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up.
2: Today, we stand against an urgent threat, and we succeeded for the values that our nation holds dear. Since the monstrous Dobbs decision, right-wing forces have set their sights on more of America's personal freedoms, including the right to marry the person you love.
1: That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi speaking after the House approved the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Now, fewer House Republicans did vote for the measure this time around. Um, This is Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. As President Reagan once said, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. All great nations and societies fall from within. With Democrats threatening all sense of values and decency in family today, sexualizing kids in school, redefining sex and gender, trans surgery and mutilation of minors, it makes no sense for any Republican to support their efforts to codify their views on marriage. Yeah, that was Virginia Congressman Bob Good on the House floor prior to the vote. We'll talk with Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller about the bill in just a moment. And that funding bill for the military that we were discussing yesterday? Yesterday, I praised the bipartisan deal that our Senate and House Armed Services Committee has struck on the NDAA. The House was supposed to advance the bill yesterday, but, instead, the Democratic majority fell into disarray, disarray. Some Democrats want to scuttle the defense bill by attaching unrelated liberal demands that would guarantee its collapse. No, they wouldn't attach liberal things to a a bill pertaining to the military, would they? Well, that was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. We're going to get the latest from Mike Brest. He's the defense reporter for the Washington Examiner. That's coming up a little later here on Washington Watch. And are public library story hours really about stories and books, or are they more about ideology and indoctrination? Actor, producer, and author Kirk Cameron has written a new children's book. It celebrates family, faith, and biblical wisdom. It's entitled As You Grow. Now, so far, over 50 public libraries have turned down his request to have a story hour. Kirk Cameron joins us later to tell us why. Also, FRC's Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs, Travis Weber, will be in studio with me to provide an update on the lame duck session of Congress and also set the record straight. Okay, and many of you have responded to our request that you contact your members of Congress, especially the senators, those 12 Republican senators, who joined with Democrats. And, and, and by the way, let me be very clear on this, this vote would not have happened today in the House had those 12 Republicans in the Senate not voted for this redefinition of marriage. One in particular who really kind of led this effort was uh, Senator Tillis in North Carolina. Well, he's been putting out, He's been. many of you have contacted him and he's responded with a form letter, letter. and it, it's, it, it's not honest, okay? It's simply not honest. And so we're going to dissect what he's been telling you. Travis Weber is going to join me with the facts, and we're going to talk about it here on Washington Watch. All right, as we approach the end of the year, let me uh, thank all of you who have partnered with the Family Research Council this year. You have made Washington Watch possible We receive no government money, we do not have advertisers, we're here because of folks like you all across the country who are standing with us financially and in prayer. So we have another opportunity. Thanks to a special year-end challenge match by friends of FRC, your gift will have double the impact if it's received before December the 31st of this year. So to partner with us today, I've got folks standing by from our team to take your call. You can call 800. 225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can visit TonyPerkins.com. That's 800-225-4008 or TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Isaiah 24, verse 17. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. That's Isaiah's Prophetic words that he spoke about these three things that would be prominent as the end of time approached fear, deception, and calamity. Do we see the rise of these three today? Today there is fear of almost everything but God. We saw fear on full display with COVID, and that continues. COVID and the fear mongering that went with it was just the beginning. There's also fear of the cancel culture, deception, it's everywhere. Take any piece of legislation here in Washington, like the Respect for Marriage Act, and compare the name of the bill to what it actually does. It is pure deception. The deception is designed to hide the snare, which brings the calamity. Increasingly, we are suffering the consequences of our rejection of God's truth. To join our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org. bible All right. After several days of delay, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act passed the House today and will go to President Biden for his signature. Congress voted to codify into federal law a decision made by five Supreme Court justices redefining God's institution of marriage. Twelve Republican senators, as I mentioned, enabled this vote today by their action last week when they joined with all the Democrats in the Senate approving the measure. But... Today's vote was not without warning.
3: This bill only serves to further demonize biblical values by establishing a private right of action against organizations who believe in natural marriage, opening the floodgates for predatory lawsuits against people of faith. The bill's only purpose is to hand the federal government a legal bludgeoning tool to drive people of faith out of the public square and to silence anyone who dissents.
1: That was Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, also the chair of the Values Action Team in the House. She and many others spoke out, giving warning to what this bill would do. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Mary Miller of of, uh, Illinois. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. She also serves uh, as a member of the House Education and Labor Committee. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program.
3: Good afternoon. It's always an honor to be on here with you.
1: Thank you. It's always good to see you. Uh, I'm going to just ask you right off your your thoughts on Congress today, uh, approving this measure that takes the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage and puts it into federal law.
3: Right. Well, I join your disappointment and our viewers' disappointment in this um, egregious attack on our First Amendment rights. And, you know, I think the fact that they rejected in the Senate Senator Mike Lee's amendment to protect churches, religious organizations, and individuals who hold um, differing viewpoints, they rejected that because their goal is to go after Christians
1: now there were fewer republicans voting for it in the house than what we saw back in june when it first went through the house so clearly people were speaking to the members of congress and some of them were listening
3: yes it is disappointing though because um it's such an attack on our first amendment right and that's what's you know made us stand out in all time of all history above other civilizations and governments is the freedom that we've had, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of conscience.
1: This administration has been tacking all things faith, family, and freedom. And I, and I want to yes. go to a topic that you have been very focused on in your role on the Education Committee. Mm-hmm. The, the Biden administration had created this, um, what they called a parents group to be advocates for parents. It was uh, yes. a front Uh, But this week after pressure, the Department of Education is disbanding this newly created National Parents Council after legitimate parents groups actually filed suit. You were at the center of this. Tell us about this.
3: Yes. Well, it's the continuation of the Biden administration's attempt to silence and intimidate parents who uh, are accurately and rightfully defending their children. And they want to know what's going on in their uh, children's schools. And uh, Biden has been using the Justice Department, the FBI, the National School Board Association, and others, and now forming this committee to, like I say, silence and intimidate parents. But I think the glorious thing about uh, what has transpired is it's shown the power of the people, people that refuse to uh, sit down and shut up. And I am so grateful to you parents, to you parental rights groups, and to the lawyers that are defending them and um, that we had a victory there. It lasted about as long as the um, disinformation board that they created.
1: Yeah, the National Parents and Family Engagement Council is what they had called it, but because of these lawsuits, these parents groups, they're disbanding it. But I wanna go to what you just said. It's very similar. To the disinformation board, which the Department of Homeland Security put in, they they got all the same type of pushback. And they said, oh, we're not going to do this. But we found out they went ahead and did it anyway. Um, So is there concern that they may go ahead with this uh, quasi parents group to provide cover for what the Department of Education is doing?
3: I don't know about that. That remains to be seen. But I do have to say, I tell people all the time, if they could, they would. And we can never rest because they're not going to quit. And they're after our freedoms, they're after our children. And I think it's showing us how important it is that we're fully engaged in what's going on in our children's lives. And um, you know, we should demand transparency in the schools and accountability. I mean, we've seen what's happened in Loudoun County. That is that is insane that they are trying to hide the facts. Um, a rape occurred and then they transferred the student. They didn't notify the parents in the new school where the student had been transferred. I mean, this is crazy. And parents should be on fire mad. Right. And I just want to encourage people to run for school board and support other parents that have the courage to run.
1: Well, Loudoun County. If you're not
3: going to run, support someone that does.
1: Yeah. Loudoun County, as you mentioned, is a. it's actually a good example of what is bad but also what is good in terms yes. of parents getting involved. We talked about earlier in the week, we were discussing the special grand jury's report that was unsealed, uh, 92 pages, 25 pages of, of, uh, of report and uh, supporting documentation. Uh, yesterday, the as a result of this report and the agitation and the persistence of parents, the superintendent there, Superintendent Ziegler, was fired by the school board. Uh, he's the one that lied about the sexual assault that took place in the bathroom.
3: Yes, he was. And I think what we're seeing is a fire that's going across the country where parents are waking up and getting involved and in finding out what's going on in their schools. Showing up at school board meetings and wanting to have transparency of what's the curriculum is, what books they're using, what's in the library. And, um, cases like this are so egregious and I just, I'm appalled at how long it's taken for him to be, um, you
1: know, right to
3: be exposed. And, um, I, it's just way too long,
1: but the parents were persistent and it happened yes. and that's persistence is the key. Cause you know, this, yes. they will try to block you. They will stall. They will do everything they can. You're an example of that persistence. Mary Miller, Great to see you today. Thanks so much for taking time to join us.
3: Always great to be here. Thank you.
1: Congresswoman Mary Miller of Illinois, she, she is a, a great lady. Fights hard for the things that we believe in on Capitol Hill. All right, coming up, the House of Representatives passed the National Defense Authorization Act today, but not without some drama. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. A lot more straight ahead.
4: Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back. Merry Christmas. This is Washington Watch. Glad you have tuned in. And if you'd like to be a partner with the Family Research Council to make sure that Washington Watch continues, as I mentioned before, we receive no government money, no advertisers only folks like you who support us and you can do so today and your your gift will be doubled if it's given by the end of the year. You can call our folks that are standing by to take your call 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008 or you can go to tonyperkins.com. All right, as I mentioned earlier today, the House of Representatives passed the National Defense Authorization Act getting the 800 plus billion dollar measure off to the uh, to the president. Some Republicans, uh, I also got to go to the Senate, some Republicans are claiming the bill is a win for them as it contains language ending the COVID shot mandate for military service members. It does not, however, reinstate service members previously dismissed for not getting the jab. Joining me now to discuss this year's NDAA is Mike Brest, who covered this as a defense reporter for the Washington Examiner. Mike, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. Okay. So the NDA passed today with the House approving actually $45 billion more than what the president requested. Uh, This now goes to this. It's got to make one more stop at the Senate. Is that correct? That is correct. So give us uh, the, there was some drama surrounding this. Tell us about it. So it's important to know that this is must pass
5: legislation. This is legislation that has passed every year for about 60 years now. And so some years are more contentious than others, uh, obviously. And we saw, you know, a moderate amount of contention uh, this year. And we heard a number of different debates. Uh, And one of the big things that uh, is relevant with this specific NDAA uh, is that, as we know, right now Congress is being led by Democrats. But in a couple of weeks, come the new year, it'll be a Republican-led House. And so uh, given that nature, the Republicans had a little bit of leverage in what they wanted to see done, combined with the fact Uh, that the way they passed this legislation required two-thirds of the vote. Uh, So there was overwhelming support for it uh, with the compromises that they were able to reach.
1: Now, Mike, as I mentioned, this, it does stop the vaccine mandate, but it does nothing for those members who were forced out. So this has been an issue for many in the Senate, conservative Republican members of the Senate. Could it run into some obstacles in the Senate? I think it's
5: always possible uh, that some you know, 11th hour hurdles could come up. But at the same time, it, it does seem at this moment uh, that this is a compromise that both sides have been able to get, get behind. And it's important to know that we are talking about a very small percentage of the armed forces. Uh, DO, DOD reiterated earlier this week that over 95% of the armed services have been fully vaccinated. And so while we hear numbers that are in the thousands, they really do represent, you know, one or two percent of the entire military. The,
1: uh, the, the bill almost got a little sideways because Democrats were wanting to attach through a rule uh, a vote on the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act. Um, how were they able to ne- negotiate and navigate through it? Was that uh, the, uh, the supermajority vote that was required?
5: So that's part of it between both parties, uh, especially members who are actually not on the Armed Services Committee, oftentimes bring up a number of different uh, proposals they, that they want to see brought into the bill. And so this was just one of those examples. Uh, there, there are plenty of them. We saw uh, the vaccine mandate come up last year in, in negotiations, uh, and there were you know rumors at the time that that could be on the table. Ultimately, it didn't. And now it is uh, this time around. Uh, But it's part of the nature of how a must-pass bill uh, goes back and forth uh, between the two parties.
1: Yeah, there's not that many measures that are must-pass, meaning that, you know, for things to continue, it has to happen. We see this, we'll see this with the CR uh, coming up, the continuing resolution. Unlikely they're, they're going to get the support they need for omnibus. Maybe they will. I don't know. But they've got to at least do a short-term funding probably to get there. Those are one, that's one of those measures people like to attach things to because they have to pass. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next Congress, especially in the next NDAA. Uh, when the Republicans have control of the House, I think they're going to be using that uh, a lot more to push forward pro-military policies that they would like to see into law.
5: I think that's very possible, and we've heard uh, some inclinations or some indications that that could be the case. <clears throat> I do think it's also interesting you brought the, brought up the point of a continuing resolution because we've heard uh, from a number of DOD officials who have said, including Secretary Austin, who has said a continuing resolution uh, is not good enough because a continuing resolution continues funding at previous levels, and DOD has, like they do many years, uh, increased its Funding So that they could continue to do new programs. And so a continuing resolution would put those things on hold uh, and just keep funding at the current levels.
1: Uh, it's, uh, in talking to a number of uh, Republican members, more on the conservative side of the ledger, uh, you know, they don't want to give up that ability to fund the government in the next year uh, once they're in the majority in the House, because that's one of the few tools they have to rein in the Biden administration.
5: Absolutely. And so it really is uh, sort of a push and pull situation where, uh, as you mentioned, Republicans have talked about using this to their advantage. And the problem is to get to that point, it would require uh, a CR, which, uh, as I said, Secretary Austin has been pretty Uh, you know, publicly against.
1: But he was also against lifting the vaccine mandate, and that didn't seem to uh, make a difference.
5: Absolutely. Both Secretary Austin and President Biden said that they still supported uh, the vaccine mandate. Now, there are some Democrats who have come out and said that they don't think it's necessary anymore, which is why they are willing to compromise on it. Uh, But only time will tell to see how uh, that rift will continue to grow as the NDA goes goes through its process, and as uh, this policy in particular gets lifted and the effects of it move forward.
1: All right. Very good. Michael Brest, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate uh, your insight. Thank you for having me. Ah, well, this process, we'll continue to watch it. Unfortunately, the lame duck session is not over. I wish it was, but there's still much more that they're going to be doing. And you need to stay up to date on what's happening. And if you're not connected, you can be connected. Text the word DUCK, D-U-C-K, to 67742. That's 67742, the word DUCK. And that way you can stay informed and involved in what's happening. All right, coming up, actor Kirk Cameron has a new children's book out, but, but he's not welcome to read. He's not welcome to read it in many public libraries. He joins me next to explain why. Why have more than 50 libraries turned away his offer to read to children? That's next. Don't go away.
4: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further.
1: to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Thursday, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we're, uh, we're waiting to connect with uh, Kirk Cameron. He's going to join us in a minute. But I want to go to Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC Action. Uh, you know, yesterday we were discussing the Senate race, that uh, the special race there, the runoff in Georgia. Democrats picking up that seat with uh, Senator Warnock. Uh, outperforming Herschel Walker. That gives the, the Democrats a 51-49 edge in the United States Senate. But what does the next election cycle in two years look like? Uh, joining me now to talk about this, Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. You know, I know people have had enough, especially those in Georgia, that don't want to talk about Senate uh, elections or elections, period. Uh, and I know a lot of people getting tired of elections, But we are going to see, after the first of the year, a focus begin on 2024, which is going to be a big election cycle. Most of the focus will be on pr- the presidential election that will be taking place. But, you know, the Senate uh, is also going to be a big, big issue in the 2024 election. Tell us about it. That's right, Tony.
6: Obviously, the Republicans uh, narrowly took the majority in the in the U.S. House, and uh, they thought they might, in the Senate, uh, narrowly missed that, now 5149 Senate in favor of the Democrats. But, Tony, as you say, uh, 2024, the map is very, very different. There will be uh, 34 U.S. Senate seats up in 2024. And the interesting thing about this is that Democrats are having to defend 23 of those, so two-thirds of the seats, that will be up. Democrats are going to have to be playing a lot of defense. Politically speaking, that's a lot of exposure. And it's just it's not just, Tony, the the number of seats. Uh, A lot of experts are looking at those, analyzing which ones are most vulnerable. And uh, most of the pundits agree that out of the eight uh, most vulnerable seats, the eight most likely to flip, if any do, uh, all eight are held by Democrats. So not only do they have the volume, they also have uh, seats that are much more uh, susceptible to flipping states like West Virginia. Montana. Uh, On the Republican side, their two most vulnerable seats are uh, Florida and Texas, and, you know, you look at what happened in uh, Florida, for example, in 2022. uh, This year it just doesn't look like a lot is probably going to change there for the Republicans.
1: You know, that's interesting, because a very similar scenario back in 2010, when the Republicans won the majority in the House of Representatives, they did not win the Senate, but they did two years later is when they won the majority in the Senate. So could be uh history could be repeating itself as we look at what the lineup is in 2 years from now. Uh Brent thanks for that update. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Sonny. <clears throat> Excuse me. Actor and producer and author Kirk Cameron has a new children's book out. Now naturally, he reached out to uh, dozens of public libraries asking if they would Host readings. After all, the drag queen story hours become a staple of children's programming at some libraries. Why not offer his book, Teaching Biblical Wisdom and the Value of Growing the Fruits of the Spirit? Well, more than 50 libraries rejected having a Kurt visit. Many offering vague platitudes about messaging or seeking diversity. So they want fewer Christians and more drag queens. Joining me to discuss this is actor, producer, and author Kirk Cameron. Kirk, welcome to the program. Hey, great to talk with you, Tony. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Good to see you again. So, thank you. Do I understand this right? A book about biblical values is not allowed, but these libraries were bending over backwards to host drag queen story hours.
7: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like you uh, using bending over backwards with drag queens in the same sentence. But essentially, you're 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 correct. I wrote a book called As You Grow about. Biblical wisdom through the seasons of life for children and the fruit of the spirit like love, joy, kindness, patience, goodness, self-control. And when I wanted to do the book reading uh, at a public library, over 50 woke libraries rejected the book without even reading it. Uh, One in Rochambeau Public Library in Rhode Island said that we are a queer friendly library and our messaging just doesn't align. And I'm thinking well with with what the fruit of the spirit, but the problem is the fruit of public libraries, as one journalist pointed out, is fake diversity non inclusion drag queens, and a rejection of the sexes
1: right it's open so it's open to fruit just not fruit of the spirit S- that's so right. how, how did any of them did any of them take you up on the offer well uh
7: not the ones who have Hosted drag queen story hours. Mm. Now there are others who have been flooding in saying, come to our library, come to our library. But the ones I'm um, interested in particularly are those that are particularly committed to this idea that they are inclusive and that they are all about diversity. So, so my question is uh, why are you excluding me and Mm. millions of people who would love for their children to learn how to be gentle and self-controlled and compassionate after all, Public school children are dealing with massive amounts of mental illness, drug overdoses, bullying, suicides, cyber bullying, and school shootings. Right? Couldn't they use a little help in the fruit of the spirit?
1: Uh, Kirk, we're up against a break. We got to go to a break. Can you can you stick around? Sure can. Because uh, I actually got a uh, a text from uh, from someone back in my home state of Louisiana. Uh, saw you were coming on the program to talk about this. And I, I do think I actually have a public school library that had hosted one of these uh, drag queen story hours that is interested in having you come. What do cool. you think? Cool. All
7: right. I, I'll, st- I'll stick around. All
1: right. We'll talk about it next. All right, folks. Kirk Cameron's going to stick around. I'm going to continue to talk about his book and uh, the fact that Story Queen Hour is being welcomed in many libraries. But not a book about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to continue our conversation. Stick with us here on Washington Watch. A lot more straight ahead.
2: What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength
4: Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome
1: back to Washington Watch. Merry Christmas. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, if you'd like to partner with us to make sure Washington Watch continues, you can give us a call, 800 800- You can give us a call uh, uh, by phone, or you can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. That's 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or go to TonyPerkins.com. Kirk Cameron, my guest, talking about his new book, As You Grow. It celebrates family, faith, and biblical wisdom. Kirk, thanks so much for uh, sticking around. All right. So... As you shared this story, what response have you received from parents who do appreciate these kinds of stories and encouragement for their children?
7: Oh man, we're getting flooded by emails uh, from people—not only parents but librarians. Tony, not only have the have the mama bears woken up, the librarians are getting into the fight, and they're wanting.
1: Uh, I think we lost his audio there for a minute. Let's see if we can get him, uh, get him back on. The, the name of the book, As You Grow, and I'm going to – it's available online. You can get it uh, there, and I, he also has a website. Uh, let's see if we can get his audio reconnected. As You Grow, and, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff we need to be able to counter. And uh, as a, all right, I think we lost his audio, and we've lost him – We'll get him back on talking about it later, but here's what you can do. In fact, this is what I was uh, talking with someone uh, during the break back in my home state of Louisiana that have contact with the school or, I mean, the public library uh, boards, approach them about this, and this would be a great project, quite frankly, for pastors and some of our community impact teams that we have in churches across the country to contact your uh, public libraries and say, hey, we have this book as you grow. It's a children's book, celebrates faith and family and, and uh, helping children develop the fruit of the Spirit. Can we come in and read it? Can we have a story hour? So, we're going to have more details for you uh, on that. We'll see if we can get Kirk back on uh, next week to talk about it. I want to transition now to an issue that I mentioned at the top of the program. The so-called Respect for Marriage Act. It's really the disrespect for marriage. It's one of the things I was talking about in the passage of Scripture I mentioned today, the the deception. It is so blatant in this city. they, They said, called this bill, Respect for Marriage Act. But if you read it, it's anything but respect for marriage, respect for the institution that God created. As a result of what we've been talking about for the last three weeks on this program, as we've described what the bill does, we've asked you to participate in it. Many of you have contacted uh, members of Congress. In particular, you have contacted the senators, those 12 senators that we talked about. One of those uh, is Senator Tillis of North Carolina. And he responded with a form letter, basically saying that he was doing this so he could protect religious freedom. Well, sometimes, you know, Proverbs says don't argue with a fool. But then sometimes it says you're supposed to rebuke a fool. And so I think we need to address the, the false statements that are being made by these members of Congress. Because some of you are, are, are coming back to us and saying, wait a minute, you said this and this is what they said. And so fair enough, we're, we're going to take— what uh, Senator Tillis, and he's kind of the, he kind of spearheaded this if, issue for the Republicans. And quite frankly, he shouldn't be in the Senate. Not from the state of North Carolina. Not as a Republican. Uh, he, he completely sold out conservatives in being the linchpin that made this bill happen. He did. And if you live in North Carolina, man, I, I, it's a great state. But you have a horrible senator quite frankly. You have two of them, really. One of them's leaving. Burr, he's retiring. He is actually being replaced by a a good senator. Um, But I've asked Travis Weber to join me, and we're just going to dissect this information, this disinformation, that Senator Tillis has put out about the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. I don't know if, if you've noticed, but this is really irritating to me.
4: It, right because so. this
1: is, this is. I, I don't think these senators and these members of Congress who voted for this realize what they're doing to this nation by taking the institution that God created and redefining into law what is what God has called an abomination.
9: Yeah, it, it's, it's a tragic day, and Senator Tillis' attempted defense of his position is shameful. I read through what he's sending to constituents trying to defend his position on religious freedom, and I have a piece up at the Washington stand dissecting it. The most ridiculous claim is his attempted response to the question, did you support Senator Mike Lee's amendment? He goes on to say, I supported Mike Lee's amendment, the amendment failed, and it would have protected religious freedom uh, at pretty much end of his response. And my analysis of that, Tony, is we know, he could have taken the position that unless the amendment was in there, he's against the bill. He doesn't address that. He just tries to make it look like he's defending Lee. But then, by the way, he also supported the current text of the bill, which is insufficient. And, and as I explained, the Lee amendment would have protected all these entities he's now thrown under the bus, trying to make it look like he's not throwing them under the bus. But there's a number of points in here in which he is um, – Trying to defend this as supportive Look, of religious freedom. Let me, just take, all wrong. let me
1: take some of this. Um, okay, so in his letter back to constituents who reach out to him, he says a key reason why I worked to amend the Respect for Marriage Act was to ensure that federal law expressly acknowledges that people of good faith could disagree about marriage, and that federal law protects religious institutions and nonprofits from being forced to violate their beliefs. Okay, first. This would not even be an issue of concern if the bill did not pass. Yeah, and yeah. it only passed because 10 Republicans in the Senate, led by Senator Tillis, made it pass. Right. So it, it would not even have
9: been an issue. Wouldn't have been an issue. This claim that this is robust, I've seen that word elsewhere. Other senators are attempting, somebody's circulating talking points getting senators to go around saying it's the most robust. It's only robust because it's the only thing that Congress has passed significantly on religious freedom because the Democrats are blocking legitimate protections like Senator Mike Lee's First Amendment Defense Act. So the fact that this is in a field of one, you're, you're saying it's robust because you're comparing it to nothing. That's what they're doing. The, that very fact shows we need protections furthering the case. He should have taken the position unless this is in the bail. He's not
1: supporting it. It would not have been a threat had they not passed the bill. Exactly. So they created a problem, and then they said, oh, I've got the solution. But it is an inferior solution, number one, and he admits here, but he doesn't go on to explain. He said this protects religious institutions and nonprofits. The problem with that, Travis, that we've talked about, the First Amendment was not to institutions but individuals. It's not,
9: and, and just going back to the robust point, Mississippi's Protecting Freedom from Conscience and Government Discrimination Act is robust. So if leaders want a robust protection, they go to that. They go to the First Amendment Defense Act. To your point, um, yeah, those, those entities are not the scope of the First Amendment, nor are they even fully protected this but by they, this. They
1: are protected from—institutions are a collection of people and as individuals we have religious freedom and we can come together in an organization and exercise our religious freedom but as individuals what this falls short of and he acknowledges that the lee amendment in fact he he says the lee amendment went further than what we offered by protecting individuals well that's the point
9: yeah and and his refusal to accept that throws jack phillips baronel Stussman under the bus it throws everyone else under the bus including those entities, you know, so religious nonprofits. to be clear, we want to protect them, but this doesn't even fully protect them. It only protects them if they're furthering a religious purpose and in the context of solemnization of marriage. It doesn't protect, is my reading of this. This does not protect a college. It says we have a code of conduct for uh, for, for dormitories between same sex couples who don't right. allow it. They're not even protected.
1: Only the act of marriage, act of, of
9: solemnization. And no one is acti- asking churches that, to do that. That right now. is
1: the least threat that we face It's right not now. even a threat right now. If right. someone wants, to I don't, threats, it's, I don't think it's—I don't think that's good. I don't think anyone's going to walk into a church and tell a pastor, "I want you. You're going to have to marry me and my my husband." They're not
9: doing it. No. <laughs> if if they could produce lists of this, we'd look at it. But the the threats are the seven years of litigation after
1: a burger fell. What what we were just at? What I was at the Supreme Court on Monday about with um, Lisa Smith, or Laurie Smith. Yeah, the 303
9: three creative case, you know, that, that's an indication of where we've been. It's the type of thing that, that, that Mike Lee's amendment would have protected and the type of thing that Tom Tillis has chosen to not protect. So the attempted defense, it's it's laughable but also sad because we're, this bill's passage of the House today, we're entering a new era,
1: and and he helped make it happen. All right, him, Senator Blunt, uh the 12, Lumas, the 12 Republicans, the, the 12 Republicans in, the, in the Senate, you know, I, I, w- there were fewer Republicans voting for it in the House today, which was the result of folks. I want to thank you. And that was intentional. We wanted to see the number drop. It did drop because they heard from you. And I know because I was talking to members every day and I heard it. And and so that was, uh, you know, encouraging to a degree. But the fact is, this is going to be the law. It's going go to go to Joe Biden and, and he will gleefully celebrate it and pass it just as they danced around Sodom and Gomorrah. He'll be dancing. Um, I'm telling you folks, this, this in, as Travis says, this brings us into a new era of, uh, of the spiritual condition of our nation. And if this is not a wake-up call to our nation of how we are dangerously dancing on the precipice of destruction morally and spiritually, I mean, look what's happening to our children. You cannot disconnect these types of policies from what's happening in our classrooms where children are being targeted with this radical sexual ideology they're confused they're bewildered they're bullied and they are experiencing record levels of uh, of anxiety of depression and and suicide attempts because of this agenda
9: yeah, t- Tony, this is a day that th- there is a lot happening that we need to be sober about, prayerful about, and our people who, who have, thankfully, the people who are supporting us, listening to us, have, have since over oh, the summer have sent hundreds of 565,000 emails to their leaders. They have faithfully played a part in this. No matter the result, we've stood for the truth. And that's what we have to do. You know, it was looking, watching Steny Hoyer on the House floor today. Oh, the doublespeak is amazing. Let me let me uh, me
1: play that clip. I've got that clip. I want to play that clip because it was uh, it was a mockery. Let me see if I uh, let me give me uh, where is it? It is uh, clip fifteen, please.
7: Somehow, we would interpose our own judgment. Denial, denying that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator. Not by us, not by the Constitution, by their creator, with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Certainly pursuit of happiness means that you can love whom you
9: choose. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 Tony, it's almost like He's trying to stand in the place of the language of our Creator and turning it on its head. I mean, that is playing with fire there, appealing to, trying to appeal, making it look like he's appealing to God, and he is sticking his finger in God's eye with this because they are twisting the language of God on its head.
1: And our documents of this nation yeah. and what they were intended to do. Yeah. Our documents were intended. To have a well-ordered society. John Adams saying our constitution is for a, a, a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. And, and I know Travis, you know, we're, we're talking about this and in, and you know, the left likes to get this and they're going to mock it and ridicule it. You know what? And that's fine. That's fine because we are standing on, on truth. But I, I do want to encourage our people, as you said, We've, we've responded, we've done what we have can, we've, we've changed some minds in this process, but we need to pray. This okay. really does put our nation and in, in our society in a very dangerous place. But remember, and I mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah, and I know that, that'll send off, uh, the, the heads of the left will explode with that, um, but you know, God said he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah for ten righteous. Yep. And so I think this, we need to be praying for God's mercy on this nation and praying that the eyes of those who are pushing this agenda will be opened and that they might come to know the truth, that these children will not be led down this path of destruction. Yeah, Tony, there was a ton of
9: deception on the House floor today, but as I was watching, I realized, you know, Jesus has not given up on those leads. Jesus wants Steny Hoyer to turn to him and recognize him, and he will have to face him if he doesn't. And that is out of the—we we need to call all, the attention of all, to the reality of the Lordship of Jesus Christ under what he has set forth as his expectation. And so, you know, I don't envy those who are knowingly departing from that and have to answer for it, but, but it's out of a heart—he wants them to turn.
1: Right, and in, in, in Abraham didn't need to, but he interceded. Because he wanted to, yeah. because he had a heart of compassion, just as God has a heart of compassion. So yes, our hearts are heavy. We're grieved yeah. by this. We're we're angered by it. Yeah. I think anger is is acceptable. The, people are going to suffer the consequences. The, the, our children, yeah. our children yeah. are going to suffer the consequences, but our hearts need to be for mercy for those yeah. who have made these decisions, and we need to pray that God would have mercy on this nation. Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. appreciate all the work that you and your team did to try to stop Congress from taking these steps. Thank you. And folks, I want to thank you for leaning in as well. As Travis said, over a half million people contacted their congressmen, their senators, to try to get them to do the right thing. Well, what do we do tomorrow? Well, we get up, we do the same thing. We stand on truth, and we encourage others to take the right path. And you know what? We take the words of the Apostle Paul. Where he says, when we've done everything we can do, when we prayed, when we prepared, and when we've taken our stand, we just keep standing.